Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Conscious Journeys podcast. Conscious Journeys is a podcast of stories and conversations surrounding consciousness, our awakened state of being, what it means to live a conscious life, and topics inspired by higher awareness. Listeners will take away insightful advice, humorous and relatable stories, and inspiration to create a more mindful, conscious journey for their lives. I'm Katie Young, and it is a pleasure to be hosting this podcast. I am so excited to share different experiences and stories from not only my own life, but from the lives of so many cool people that I've come across on this journey. So I hope you stick with us through this journey, and I advise you to take a few moments to breathe and ground and check in so that when you're listening to this podcast, you're really present and listening to the stories and insights that are shared. Thank you, and I'm so looking forward to sharing this week's episode with you. Okay, guys, so on this week's episode of Conscious Journeys, I had the lovely, awesome, exciting, and privileged adventure of chatting with an old high school friend. Her name is Summer Atkinson, and Summer just returned home from a seven-month trip that her and her partner Jackson took across not only the United States, but South America, which if any of you know my background, I am an avid South American, Peruvian, Ecuadorian culture lover. I backpack through South America combined almost a year, so it felt very nostalgic to revisit and listen to some of her amazing experiences. And I hope that you all take away so much from this as I did in having this conversation. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into it. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode entitled, What a Long Strange Trip It's Been. Okay, so I'm here with Summer. And Summer just came and took my yoga class. (laughs) And I thought it would be a great precursor to the conversation that we're about to share Um, about Summer's big adventure, her traveling journey. And so I am really excited to have a conversation with her and talk about her conscious journey into her South American adventure and what led up to this amazing trip. So I'm going to pass it off to Summer and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm Summer. Um, I just got back from seven months of travel across the United States and then uh, South America uh, with my partner Jackson. So (laughs) a lot led up to this. Totally. Um, Yeah, I would love for you to... So we're going to talk a lot about her trip because there's a lot of exciting bits. And I have to say too, before we start, I watched a lot of this through Instagram. (laughs) I have a deep affinity for culture, particularly South American culture, and for traveling as I got to experience that a few years back through my six-month journey. Um, So to witness that through Instagram and witness your journey and see all the posts, it became really nostalgic, and that's why I felt really drawn to reaching out, especially because it's interesting, like, Summer and I went to high school together, and then, like, most people, they, you know, go off and do their respective parts, so we both went to our own colleges and got our jobs 
jobs and did the thing. And so when I got to reconnect on social media, I felt so drawn and was just like, I need to reach out to her and talk to her about this and pick her brain and hear all the amazing things. So, so yeah, I would love to, I would love to hear what led up to make the decision to go on this trip. Yeah, sure. And thank you for reaching out because I think there's something to be said about how special it is when people leave high school and leave their kind of hometowns behind and then come back and how we can be adults and things are just so different. Mm. Um, so I was really excited to, to have the opportunity. So, um, yeah, I, I guess for me, what really went into deciding to leave was my job. <laughs> um, and it really was almost like a cult experience. So I'll explain a little bit about what I did. Um, so as an undergraduate, I studied neuroscience and psychology mm -hmm. and really got um, driven to work in the healthcare space. So when I graduated, I started working as a consultant in healthcare and pharmaceuticals. Um, mm. But what that turned into was, you know, 70 to 80 hour weeks every week. Um, I was always on call. I was working Saturdays, Sundays, nights, mornings, mm. um, and it was incredibly stressful. And so I had no, I felt like I had no balance in my life. Um, mm. and I, I worked for a, a large company in Boston and then moved back to Vermont and worked for a startup there, which was a little bit better, but <clears throat> it still wasn't really fulfilling my desire to serve patients and to serve the people that need it and the communities that need it. Um, it, it felt more and more like I was serving big pharma and the mm. insurance companies that, um, I mean, are, it seems like just after money, not really right. supporting patients. So I started to get bogged down in a lot of negativity and, um, mm. feeling kind of helpless. Can I ask you what would you have, if you could have chosen the ideal job or what you would have been doing in the healthcare and neuroscience psychology field, what would that have looked like for you? Um, it's interesting. So I think fresh out of undergrad, I would have loved to do a neuroscience PhD, but I really needed money. Yes. <laughs> so I started working. <laughs> um, but now I think I, so I actually just applied to go back to grad school and I got into one program in San Diego. Wow. Um, it's a master's in public health. So that's kind of the new route I'm taking it and I'm hoping mm. that it will help me, um, you know, contribute in a meaningful way and also get that feeling, the feeling of contributing, you know, that reward of, of helping the communities and patients that need it and on a larger scale than just a, you know, one-on-one -on -one kind of clinician patient right. level. You want to be on the front lines with yeah. people so you can really see the impact that you're making exactly. and work with work with the people that you're helping and supporting. Yeah. So that's my goal. Um, but you know, back in May when I, I left my job in consulting, I, I was really just feeling bogged down, um, mm. and wanted a change and wanted something new. And mm. the, you know, one of the good things about consulting is that it pays very well. So I was actually able to quit and live off of my savings for seven months, which is incredibly fortunate. And I, I'm really grateful because that's, <laughs> That's not typical. That is not the norm <laughs> for most people yeah. right out of undergrad. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. So, after four years, I left. Um, and luckily, I had a partner who was also really interested in traveling. So, uh, Jackson's story is a little bit different. Um, his 
parent, actually both of his parents were in a really bad car accident when he was growing up mm. and his dad almost died. It was really intense. Um, so after that, his parents sold their house and bought a boat and started sailing around the world with their two sons. He's a twin. Um, so for about five years, they just sailed around the world and spent wow. months and months in different countries and like it's honestly incredible I can't do it justice to explain the life that he had (laughs) but it sounds like so having gone through that tragedy it's one of those like awakening moments that you have in your family your personal life that really shatters your idea of like what's important so rather than you know pursuing for them it was like the typical household life they were like we're buying a boat and we're traveling that is so rad yeah it's incredible um he's got the traveler exactly in in him already so and that was so helpful to me because you know i've i've done you know a week-long trip to ireland i've been to italy i well my mom went back to school when i was growing up and studied abroad in italy so i was able to live with her there for two months when i was six but i don't really remember it right so i have little experiences like that but jack I mean, he grew up on the boat for a while, and then he came back and, and kind of rejoined society in the States for middle school. And then he, in high school, he studied abroad. He studied abroad twice in college. After he graduated, he spent six months traveling through Southeast Asia. And then after he graduated uh, from grad school, he did a month in Africa. So he has this incredible travel life already and he felt so confident in it that it helped nudge me in that direction too because Mm. like obviously you know being a woman I have concerns about traveling alone you Mm -hmm. know and and safety and things like that um and I wouldn't even know where to start if it hadn't been for him so I'm, I'm really grateful and um it's just been an incredible time so we both left our jobs in May and then decided that we wanted to do three months driving around the United States seeing national parks we did a bunch of fish shows last summer I think 12 was our official count um so we kind of followed them around a little bit and then yeah and then after their last show in uh September Labor Day weekend we flew to Cartagena and we did a month in Colombia six weeks in Peru and then about three weeks each in Chile and Argentina and we Mm. got back just before Christmas wow so I want to I want to back up a little bit because you guys so my first thought is when you were both leaving your jobs and trying to make this like radical life change was it a mutual decision between the travel like did you both know that that was what you wanted to go after or was one a little more it sounds like maybe Jack was more of the confident one in it because it was just like second nature but was that something that you knew was like did you feel that that was the change that was coming for you yeah yeah it's interesting so I think Jack was definitely more confident um but we had also been saving up for this trip for about three years so we had been talking and you know he was like I want to take you back to Thailand I want to go here or there and and together we kind of decided that South America would be the perfect spot for us because I really wanted to keep practicing Spanish and I really wanted to see Patagonia that's been like a dream of mine um forever and I I, looking at the pictures now I mean I'm still posting on Instagram from our trip and I I feel like I got desensitized a little bit when we were traveling and now I look back and I post them and I'm like oh Oh, yeah (laughs) I can't believe I saw that yeah oh my god yeah and your photos are incredible and it's it's interesting you say desensitization it's because we are like we're I was just talking about this in yoga class like we're (laughs) overstimulated Mm -hmm. by all of these like hyper filtered like amazing sites and worldviews and then to like actually be in that and like 
fully present with it and like look back and be like wow like I did that I was there like really soaking it in itself I think is like a practice for us yeah and it's it's interesting you say um kind of like feeling like you could do that um because in consulting I felt really often I felt powerless and Mm. not able to change my circumstances and that I was just stuck in this career and that this is what adult life was going to be yeah and so to be able to get out of that was so uplifting I mean I when we left first, we just packed up our car and drove from Vermont to LA. That was our first route. Yeah. Um, and every day I woke up and was so grateful that we had done it. And it felt mm. like I, my spirit was just soaring. Uh, <sighs> it was it was really freeing. And it took a long time to get there because I, st- you know, it was a startup. There weren't that many people in the company, and I had been there since basically the beginning. So me leaving wasn't insignificant to the company you know and I felt a lot of responsibility towards them and I think gradually I just came to the conscious decision that I had to take responsibility for myself first and foremost before taking care of others and this is what I wanted to do yeah oh I want to just talk about that for a second because I think that's a huge part of like whether you're traveling worldwide or just taking that leap like there's so much like like in general like any hesitation any judgment any resistance usually stems from a fear Mm -hmm. and I think that that fear is what sort of encapsulates us in our normalcy and I know for me I'm the same way with like this is the way like anytime I get an inkling so I stay at home with my son most of the time and I teach yoga and I have the privilege to do a lot of like amazing passion projects but I notice in myself anytime there's like an inkling of like I'm being indoctrinated or like the system is pulling me in. I'm so resistant to it. Um, maybe sometimes for, you know, for worse than better, but, um, it's like so important to acknowledge that we do have that autonomy and responsibility to self. Like your job, unfortunately is not always looking out for your happiness and your soul dreams and passions and so the only person who's going to be able to do that is is you was it scary leaving your job it was terrifying (laughs) oh my gosh and so my boss at the time too I've known him since I was 19 he was my lab supervisor in college oh there was like attachment relationship stuff and so I'd known him for years and he had kind of pulled me into this company when he started it with some others and um It was an incredible experience. I am really grateful for it because I learned so much. I was able to afford to travel for as long as I did, which Mm. there's, I mean, I can't imagine circumstances other than the lottery that would have allowed me to do that. Um, And even though it was exhausting and stressful, I I got so much out of it. And Mm -hmm. I I really do feel like I was able to contribute in a meaningful way, which I think is, you know, just as important. Um, But I started having conversations with him about leaving in... March and I was planning on leaving in May okay and it was two months of conversations of me sharing with him and I would typically just end up crying because it was so like stressful and I felt like I was I feel like loyalty is really important to me Mm. and I felt like I was abandoning them yeah but I had to in order to kind of save myself and nurture myself um so over these couple months we got to a point where I was like no I'm I'm leaving like I've made the choice and there was kind of some back and forth of well when you come back do you want to work here and do and all of those things and I think that just would have been hanging over me while I was traveling totally um, knowing I had to go back into that lifestyle so 
I said no. Um, ripped the bandaid off. Yeah, and it, I think it, at, towards the end it was mutual because I think he also understood that I was just in a place where it wasn't helpful for me or for the company to continue. Mm. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, they haven't... Um, I've, I'm still in touch with a couple people just over social media and stuff who have been traveling or following my travels um, and just being really supportive, which is nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, you yeah. don't always get that. You no. <laughs> especially when you make that choice. And it sounds like you guys were in conversation for a little while. And um, see, my story is the complete opposite. Not so much with my employment. Like, I left that on good terms. But I, like, in a matter of a couple months, I was like, I'm selling my car, I'm leaving my apartment, I'm leaving everything, and I'm going. So it's a very drastic change, but I tend to be impulsive. Like, I'm loyal, but my trait is like, I want to do it, so I'm going to do it. And I was like, you just have to buy the plane ticket, and everything else will, will pan out. There was no budgeting. <laughs> there was none of that, so. I envy that, though. I oh. wish I had the courage to just make a leap. I'm such a planner, almost to a fault, where it's like I needed to know. I've tracked our budget every day. I made this whole Excel tracker, and I would input every little thing. That's so amazing. And I can we talk about that for a second? Because sure. I think that that is... Like, there can be those two ways, or maybe you are someone who, like, follows the middle route, but, like, for me, it was that impulsivity, and it was, like, leap of faith, like, I'm just going to be, you know, I'm going to be um, supported, and the universe will take care of me, and, like, yeah, I had a great experience, and I think that with some logistics and planning and budgeting, I could have made much more of a meaningful experience out of the places that I went. I sort of, like... For me, it was, like, a a spiritual journey of, like, wherever I'm led, I'm supposed to be. But, like, there were times where I was, like, in Peru or, like, in the desert. And I wanted to go sandboarding or I wanted to do this. And I was like, well, if you just saved some money before you went and took the (laughs) leap of faith. Um, So, it sounds like you being a planner, like, was that budgeting challenging for you? Was it exciting for you? You guys planned up for three years. Like, that's a really awesome goal to have yeah and so it wasn't supposed to be three years in the beginning you know we were he was graduating grad school and I was working and unhappy and I was like okay you know we were both kind of like we're gonna do this Mm -hmm. but then it just kept getting pushed back and back and back because of life you know um (laughs) but then no I really enjoyed the the budget tracking and I love using excel I'm kind of nerdy that way Mm. um you know just conditional formatting and all of these different (laughs) different formulas summer's gonna come over and teach me how to budget everybody (laughs) Um, but I think it was also really helpful in just reducing my stress because I knew at least that part I could control and I had some say in you know how much we're budgeting per day in each country and then I would kind of track that and let us know like okay we have some extra we don't blah 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 and that allowed me to kind of free um, free up my mind to focus on what was more important Mm. and that was being present and enjoying every single day I mean it was incredible I've never lived that way I'm I'm such a creature of habit and routine Um, so it was, it was a really interesting experience to kind of shift gears and just wake up and say, what do I want to do today? Jack, what do you want to do today? Let's go do it. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, so you guys budgeted, you planned for it. You made the decision to go to South America. You bought the plane tickets. You knew that you wanted to go to Cartagena first. Mm -hmm. Okay. So take me a little bit through like your highlight reel of like, I know there's so many amazing places. Um, let, let's talk about let's talk about like 
if you remember how you felt or like maybe some of the culture if there was any culture shock or this like you you landed you got to Cartagena or maybe you had a layover some other place like what was it like to first land in a foreign country it was overwhelming yeah (laughs) (laughs) um you know it's it's interesting now that I've gone and come back because I was talking to you about having culture shock when I got back to Boston after the trip and hearing people speak English. Right. But the culture shock when I got there was crazy. You know, we got to Cartagena and there's all these cab drivers kind of like yelling at us, come with us, come with us. And we don't understand the money system there because it's thousands, not hundreds. So we're trying to wrap our mind about how around how to even spend money, what a reasonable price is. Our Spanish is very broken still and, and not good. Um, and yeah, it was all just very busy, but Cartagena is a beautiful city. And I think one of the interesting things that I kind of took away immediately was getting comfortable with the discomfort. Yeah. You know, like oh. you really have to just be flexible and, and mm. not take things too personally or too seriously and just kind of go with the flow a little bit. Um, I mean, at least more so than my daily life had been. So that was huge. Um, Were you, was it very, tur- I don't know too much about there. Like, was it very touristic? Were you guys like yeah. the only gringos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we definitely weren't the only gringos, but it was very touristy. We were in, um, I forget the historical city or the old city, um, in Cartagena, which is like the pretty touristy area. Um, and I felt like sometimes when we'd be walking down the road, we'd be the only white people, but it, that wasn't the majority of the time. And that was a really interesting experience for me too, because I think everyone should know what it feels like to be the minority at some point. Oh, good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and so that was, uh, that was interesting. Just, you know, I'm a white woman in America that comes with a very high degree of privilege. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just kind of flipping the script a little bit in that sense. Hmm. Um, but we, so we started in Cartagena and then we kind of went Northeast to the coast and okay. then back down to Medellin and, the northern coast of Colombia is one of my favorite places in the world. It was the most tropical beach paradise I've ever Ooh. seen. We we stayed in um, like beach bungalows on the sand for most of it, and it was just beautiful. Like every day, I we couldn't believe where we were and what we were doing and Jack was surfing and I was doing yoga and I tried to journal as much as I could because I really wanted to write down the little details yeah exactly and then remember it more um I mean just in more detail later on and something that I started doing early on is writing down one thing I learned in each place that we went oh I love it oh that's so special to look back on because you think you would remember these things or the impact that they have on you and then our brains just can't hold all of those things so to look back and be like oh my gosh right and you know what's incredible I mean we were so we were it was Castaño Beach Hostel and that's on the northern coast of Colombia and like literally whatever several miles down the beach is Venezuela and they're having like whatever political unrest and and I mean, civil war almost, Mm -hmm. you know, right down the beach. But here we are in this paradise and we don't feel it at all. And so that was kind of in the back of our minds too. Mm. Um, But it was just gorgeous. And I mean, every second there was perfect. (laughs) How did it feel to slow down? You were going from 60, 70, maybe more hours a week working and then waking up and saying, what do we get to do today? (laughs) It was a struggle to slow down, but I, I found other ways to be productive. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so like the, the budget tracking things. And then actually while we were in Northern Columbia, I decided to apply to grad school. So I did all of my applications from the beach wow. in Columbia. Oh, that's so special. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think back on it and I just got my first acceptance and I'm like, I can't believe where I was when I sent that in. So cool. Yeah. So amazing. It kind of gave you that space and time to like visualize and get clear on like what it is that you want. Right. Because I actually had the time and wanted to put in the effort of thinking about what did I actually want it's like what don't I like about consulting what am I actually interested in and I think it's public health Mm. and even if I am not exactly sure at least if I go that route I'll be working towards something while I figure it out yeah one step closer yeah yeah totally what what made you um choose Cartagena in Colombia to start out in well just because of the seasons we knew we wanted to go north to south you know, because they're going into summer in mm-hmm. our winter. Um, so Cartagena was honestly just the cheapest plane ticket. Yeah. <laughs> um, we love bargains. So that's yeah. where we started. Um, yeah. And then in order to save money, we did all of Colombia by bus. We didn't fly anywhere else, which mm. was also a really interesting experience. Oh, my gosh. Busing. Yeah. <laughs> it was intense. The, some of the local buses, you know, it's it's just jam-packed and you can kind of see the road. You know, there's just holes oh and stuff. Gosh. and But, I mean, you get used to it. And yeah. some of the nicer buses, too, we do overnight buses. And they the first night, I remember, we were so unprepared because it was, like, 100 degrees there and so humid. So we got on in tank tops and shorts. Yeah. And they cranked the AC so much. We were freezing. Everybody else had brought jackets and blankets, but we didn't know. So the whole night, I had a flannel that I had with me. And I had my legs in the arm sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> get warm oh my god and they're like she didn't know better. yeah exactly uh, like these crazy gringos so then yeah. the next day when we got to where we were going um we got little blankets and we i still yes. have them at home now i brought them with me there you go that's yeah. your best blanket i know oh. but those are really good like budget friendly tips mm-hmm. um for people who aren't attached to one destination is like what is the least expensive and if you're open and flexible with the day and the location you can really like get some good deals on totally. where you're going yeah. and then always take the bus to where you want to go right and our whole thing is budget travel like you see a lot of so we started a travel instagram while we were out there and coincidentally it's called out there travels <laughs> that's amazing um, thank you but you know, our whole thing was you see all these social medias with luxury travel with these like, you know, here's this resort in Bali or whatever. And we wanted to make it more accessible to average people. You know, there's nothing really special about Mm. us. You know, anybody could, could save up and make this happen. And, um, you know, if, if you plan and kind of look for the the ways to save money, then you can absolutely get out there too. So we wanted to just share the little things every day that we were doing to save money. Yeah. I loved that. And I've seen that in your posts as you're sharing, like, this is what we did and this is how much it cost and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, converting it to us dollars. This is what this was. And I mean, I haven't added it all up, but it's like, if you do think about maybe swapping and you mentioned like staying in hostels as opposed to like a five-star hotel or eating out gourmet every night which like yeah treat yourself sometimes but if you're willing to sort of swap some of those luxury bits and place that into more of the experiential things it is absolutely totally possible and I think that's what makes the travel experience more rich yeah totally and if you look at you know our pictures the hostels we were staying at were not these like 
you know, dirty, old, decrepit buildings. Yeah. They were gorgeous. Yeah. They looked incredible. They, you know, they had uh, on-site restaurants, kitchens where you can cook, mm -hmm. pools, hot tubs. They had all of those luxurious things, but you didn't have to pay for it. Right. Um, and I feel like a lot of people don't realize, like, you don't have to go the, the I guess, traditional route and drop thousands of dollars yeah. just to stay somewhere for a weekend. Yeah. Hostels do get that kind of, like, grungy, which they are out there. Sometimes. Like, there are grungy <laughs> ones. But if you kind of choose and just do your research and, mm -hmm. and figure out... Um, you just reminded me about like the food. How is how is the food situation yeah. for you? Um, so I am a pescatarian, and Jackson is gluten free. So between the two of us, <laughs> it can be difficult to find right. food that works for both of us. Um, Colombia was great. We had a lot of arepas. They're corn based. I love arepas. Arepas con queso. <laughs> <laughs> I love they're them. They're so good. They're so simple. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they're perfect. Um, and then we just stocked up on gluten-free pasta and made it for dinner pretty much every night. Yeah. Um, so in like Santa Marta and then Medellin, we found some and we just mm -hmm. bought like 10 boxes. So we had it with us because not all cities had it. Mm -hmm. um, Peru was a little bit more of a challenge because they had a lot of like alpaca and guinea pig yes. situations, which we didn't, you know, I don't eat and Jackson wasn't really interested in eating. Um, and so we, I mean, their avocados were perfect though, yes. huge and ripe and perfect every time. Mm. Um, but I honestly didn't have that much local food there because we were cooking so much at home mm -hmm. just, you know, to save money and, um, because it was easier to find something that worked for both of us. Yeah. Um, so we definitely kind of got more of the local food in Colombia yep. than Peru. But then by the time we got to Chile and Argentina, I didn't realize how much of a European influence they have down there. So it's very German and Swiss. So Really? Yeah, the architecture and everything. Like, it looks like the yeah. houses, I expect, like, a yodeler to walk out the front door when, when I saw them. Wow. You know? Um and there's like breweries and wineries and chocolate shops on every yeah. street corner, you know? Yeah. So it, it didn't feel like South America. It felt more European, but people were speaking Spanish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Where am I? Yeah. So it was interesting. And there, I mean, I didn't have that much in like local food there either because it was so German. There's like fondue places and, mm. and um, you know, more of that European feel. Did what you get I, some plantains? Oh yeah. Fried that plantains. Fried, pla uh, oh, fried yes. plantains and fish and like some type of like ceviche, oh, yes, ceviche or rice. Oh, that Perfect. was my go-to. <laughs> yeah, that was yummy. Um, but what I found interesting in South America was there was an Italian restaurant in every place, town, yes. street that we went yes. to, which yes. I didn't expect it was so random mm -hmm. yeah no I do remember that a lot of like yeah a lot of pastas yeah and tagine, I remember yeah wow totally. Ooh. I, I asked because my first again I'm like huge on seafood mm -hmm. um especially going down to like when I went to Ecuador first I was like ooh, give me the ceviche but like Sometimes you need to give your body time to adjust and acclimate right. and, like, maybe not eat raw seafood the day you get there. <laughs> I was, like, doubled over the next no. day with, like, these cramps. And I was just like, okay, rule of thumb, ease yourself into the culture. And, like, I wasn't cooking for myself very much at that time. Like, I was just starting to get into, like, making, I don't know, vegetarian food for myself. So, like you said, like, with guinea pig or, like, you're buying chicken, buy, like, a whole yeah. chicken. You go into the markets and they have like all of the right. flesh hanging from hooks yeah, and you're chicken like with the feet in it yes oh. and you're like what do I eat what do I do <laughs> it can be very overwhelming especially you know just 
having maybe not as much exposure like we don't see i remember seeing seeing someone literally carry like a rack of like a cow like their back like over their shoulder like into a restaurant and i'm like you don't see that at home yeah the meat is so separate from the animals here it's like weird to see them together but they're just a part of life and because we have dietary restrictions we were always a little bit concerned that we weren't going to be able to effectively communicate that we didn't want these things yeah and then end up getting sick later totally um but we had one so when we were we flew from um bogota to uh lima and then we took a bus up north to Juan Chaco and Juarez. The thing about that was, <laughs> when we got to Juarez, we drank the water. Okay. Uh-oh. And when we got to Juarez, we were the sickest we've ever been. Oh Jack my. had to go to the ER <gasps> and get an IV. He didn't eat for about five days. Mine, it, it set on a little bit later, luckily, and, and was much shorter oh, no. lived. But we we went to Juarez to trek because it's this beautiful area that has crazy trekking. And we had to eventually just take a bus back down to Lima to get to sea level because between the elevation and being sick, we were constantly dying. Yeah, just oh. absolutely dying. Oh, my um, gosh. So then we didn't drink the water <laughs> until oh we got gosh. to Patagonia because then it's all glacial and it's, you know, yeah. it's super clean and fresh. But um, one of the things that was annoying about that was that we had to buy bottled water everywhere we went. And we right. went through so much plastic. It was right. really bad. And yeah. there was nowhere really to recycle. Yeah. Um, yeah, they don't have a, an effective recycling yeah. or garbage system. They'll literally have trash bags of, like, yeah. garbage on the streets, too. Exactly. And, like, all the stray like dogs cages. are, like... Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, That's... so that was one thing where, we were like, I wish there was something that we could do about it. But, you know, we have to drink water. And yeah. we're not going to risk getting sick like that again. So mm. all through Peru, really, we... Um, you know, we were just buying the single serving water bottles. We get the big ones, but still it was, it was a struggle. Um, I remember that being a thing for me, like that idea of, of assimilating to culture and like having that feeling that there's a more effective way or just being so privileged and like mm -hmm. sort of accepting, not not in a negative way but just like you are a visitor of this culture and country and I almost feel like having a sort of um having a resolution or even like vocalizing that can be like kind of condescending to the culture because we are in a privilege you know we're privileged and like we aren't exposed to it so I remember being very saddened by like the trash in the in the water in Ecuador and like all of the stray dogs and like a, it being a huge moment where it's like okay like like you said in the beginning like being okay with the discomfort mm -hmm. and that like this isn't for me to fix or seeing a lot of people who were homeless or you know on the streets and just like I, it can be painful when you allow yourself to like really sink into like the state of like how other people are living because you're on this yeah. trip and it's like fabulous and you get to choose all the things and stay in the hostels and track and then there's like part of going off the beaten path is like seeing the reality of, yeah. of life um so I don't know you just said that and made me think of that and how like we're visitors of this place and to kind of like see the culture and the things for what they are mm -hmm. yeah totally and it's you know we might may be able to leave this place whenever we want and mm. you know we came we chose to come to this place but this is their everyday li lives and mm -hmm. so to you know kind of observe with respect and try to withhold judgment on, yeah. um, you know, 
something like recycling it's like who is it really my place to to say like why isn't there a system in place I I don't know the history of how they got there you know and yeah um so that was definitely a shift as well I remember getting kind of irked in the beginning too and like a lot of the people would come up with their like alpacas or llamas and like want to take photos with you and I didn't this is like naive me you know going and they're like oh do you want to take a picture I'm like sure and then they place their hands out because they want money and I was like irritated at the fact that like I felt like I was being taken advantage of but then I was like this is their livelihood Mm -hmm. this is like how they make money and you know to not be aware of that at the time um was like an eye-opener because I again I was I was in a vulnerable space I was like you know culture shock so I was like they see me and they just want they think I have money and so they Mm -hmm. want the money but it's like if I'm here to to you know experience your culture like I can give you one soul and take a photo with your llama and like it's okay yeah I wish I had seen it that way yeah and well I mean I think reflecting on it too is is just as important you know so I think we can always kind of come away from situations and learn more about them with reflection. So I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But the other thing is it was mostly like indigenous people that were coming up with the llamas and alpacas and stuff. You know, they have the whole outfits on and everything. Um, And so for them, like they, it really does feel like a whole different world that they're still in. They're maintaining that culture and Mm. to be able to support their communities so that they don't, um, you know, so that they're able to eat and live and, and right. without kind of entering this weird corporate society that like I'm used to. <laughs> right. It was, it was, a. I was happy to be able to support them, you know, if one yeah. soul for a photo, like yeah. <laughs> I'll do that yeah. all day. The alpacas yeah. are so cute. <laughs> mm. And going into the communities, like, I don't know, I don't know if we've made it there yet. We were talking about Peru, which like just totally like opens my heart um but I love seeing a lot of the indigenous communities and like everything just like so handicrafted Mm -hmm. like belts and sweaters from like alpacas and just like seeing the craft and like you said that it's still very much alive and well and has like meaning to it because you could easily go to like a tourist um like market and like buy these things and like maybe they're manufactured elsewhere but when you really go into the indigenous communities and villages where they're making everything by hand and there's so much love and meaning woven literally into them (laughs) it's super cool and special and and like those are the things that you know you can take back and like there's a story behind it yeah yeah I have one alpaca sweater um Jackson and I got matching alpaca sweaters after we hiked Machu Picchu Uh, so we came back down to Aguas Caliente and we're like you know Mm-hmm. We're just going to go for it. So um, we got our sweaters at this giant market, um, you know, giant local outdoor mm-hmm. market. There was just a lot of kind of individual stalls in there. Um, and that was really awesome. And I love it. I wore it so much in South America because I was kind of like, this is too touristy. I'm not going to do this. But then I was like, actually, this actually, is this so is crazy. <laughs> I needed this. Yeah. Um, so I was hanging in my closet right now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you did the Salkantide trails we did holy moly I did not do that but I had two girlfriends who had done that and went to Machu Picchu that way yeah and they told me it was like one of the hardest but most exhilarating things they'd ever done absolutely yeah we're actually we're writing a blog post about it right now so we're going to be launching that in let's see um on February 1st so a couple days that's my birthday oh yay (laughs) I will be on there reading it cool oh Um, yeah so it was a five-day trek the Salkantai trek you go over um, the Salkantai Pass by Mount Salkantai, and then 
Um, it kind of uh, intersects with the Incan Trail, which is the more famous one for mm -hmm. a part of it. Um, and then on the fourth day, you get to Aguas Caliente, which is the town at the base of Machu Picchu. And then on the fifth day, you go up um, and then you take a train back to the city. So you don't have to do the five day trek back. back. Yeah. So did you, from Aguas Calientes, did you walk up or did you take a bus up? We walked. Yeah. Wow. It was so hard. So it's, you know, it's a staircase. Yeah. So we we're like, we can do that. We just hiked 20 miles a day for the last four days. This will be no problem. It was the hardest part of the trek. Mm -hmm. So the stairs, you know, it's it's a stone staircase in the wilderness, first of all. So it's not exactly even. The, so the stairs themselves are probably like two Large. feet tall. Yeah. So it's like a literal uphill <coughs> lunge every step. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it didn't help because on the third day we stayed at this hostel. We had, we camped out at a hostel um, and we discovered <laughs> our guide showed us something called Incan tequila, oh which I gosh. still don't know what it is, but we had way too much of it. So then the fourth day we were hungover, hung and by the over. fifth day it was still lingering because I'm not 19 anymore. <laughs> I wish I know we're, like, I know. we're not in college anymore. No, I cannot handle it. I really don't drink that often. So um, that was a struggle. So between you know the hiking for so you know miles and miles every day and then a little bit of a lingering hangover we had to get up at 4 a.m to start the trek you're and, still drunk yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it was just oh my gosh it was exhausting but we wanted we also really wanted to do that instead of the bus even though the bus was only like ten dollars because it felt so authentic you totally know? we wanted to walk the steps that they walked we wanted to actually oh, do this they were able yes. to do it in sandals and yeah. you know whatever they had so we should be able to do it now and we were really proud of ourselves for doing but it was it was yeah. tough did you um ever have any coca tea or the coca leaves yeah yeah the whole trek we had the coca leaves because yeah. It was, um, it really helped. Like, I felt the elevation. Mm. Um, it was pretty intense at parts, and it was just kind of a little bit of a, a boost. It wasn't, yeah. like, this overwhelming, yeah. like, druggy feeling or anything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that that definitely helped. We had yeah. that the whole way, and the guides would wake us up in the morning with coca tea, which was really helpful, yeah. so we could just, yeah. like... Yeah. So, for people who are listening, the coca leaves... Um, when I remember when we went and arrived in Peru, the elevation is significantly higher than the sea level that we live at, especially being from beach towns. <laughs> um, and so they they steep it in water to create a tea, and it's supposed to help with like any sort of um, sickness or any sort of headache or elevation. You know, um, what's the word in Spanish? I'm forgetting the word. Is it soroche? It's I forget what they talk about, like the elevation sickness. Oh. Um, but I remember also like chewing on them while they're hiking. And I mean, those are the leaves that you scrape off of and <laughs> you can get cocaine from them. <laughs> yeah, but, down the line. <laughs> down the line, literally. Um, <laughs> I unintentional. Unintentional fun. Oh, yes. Um, but yeah, I remember, and it is, it's very natural. It's like, you know, and, and, and in the, in the manner that, you know, in the authentic way of like chewing them or drinking the tea while you're hiking and like paying your respect and reverence to it with somebody who's yeah. guiding it can become a lot more of an experience than your line on a Saturday night at a party. <laughs> totally. That reminds me actually. So on the second day, we kind of go over the Salkantai Pass and we get to, we don't actually summit Salkantai Mountain because it's huge and there's like avalanches going all over. Right. You can hear them. It's crazy. But wow. um, when we got to kind of the, the highest elevation on the pass, 
we had a little ceremony where our guide had brought whiskey and we laid out um, salconta, I mean, sorry, coca leaves. And we said, I, I'm forgetting the words now, but we basically went around and said like, thank you to mother earth. Thank you to this mountain. Thank you for that. And then we all did a shot and like poured one out for her. And wow. it was, it was really powerful. It's like such yeah. a seemingly small thing, but it was really cool yeah. because you know, this, um, I think the indigenous language is Quechua mm -hmm. there. So he was saying it in Spanish, English, and Quechua. So we could kind of get the full wow. effect. And he grew up doing this trek. He had done it like a hundred times. Yeah. Um, They're so like, yeah. they make it look so freaking easy. He's wearing like jeans. <laughs> like so <laughs> casual. <laughs> so casual. Just going out for a regular Friday walk. Like, oh my gosh. So yeah, it was, it was really, really incredible. Mm. Um, and then to end at Machu Picchu, you know, you, I've heard about this in high school Spanish classes. And, and all of the things but I never really thought about what it was and then you get there and it's literally this hidden ancient city that mm. they didn't discover until like the early 1900s and it had been abandoned when the Spaniards came in the 1500s so mm. in all of that time you know it's still standing you can really get a feel mm. for what it was like when those people were there and living it mm -hmm. um, and apparently it's potentially supposed to be in the shape of a condor which mm -hmm. is interesting which I, yeah. I didn't know <laughs> they will tell you everything is in the shape of a puma or a condor yeah or a snake I <laughs> or think a snake the one. yeah <laughs> yes um so yeah it was just it was really powerful and moving and like to see things that we no way we could recreate that today but it's still standing <gasps> yes. you know it's it was incredible the the ancient technology of like the incan and all of these indigenous and ancient civilizations blows me away to yeah. the capacity like you said like even with all of the tools and technology that we have today like we wouldn't be able to recreate this no way <laughs> especially just like the angles of the stones and some of the things were just like how did this get here right where did the stones even come from like how did they get them to the top and I yeah don't understand yeah they're the the connection the cultures and their connection to the mother mother earth mm -hmm. and just like the wisdom of the sun and the moon and just everything it's just so mysterious but also so like I don't know it warms me to just think about how like that's the way that societies like there are still societies it is like it's yeah. living and breathing they live this way and to think like I don't know just traveling way back to the beginning we were talking about like your job and like how sort of like separate we become from from earth and from the natural wonders is just it's a trip man it's, it's literally a trip <laughs> it really is what a long strange trip it's been it, it has like this mystical quality you know where yes. it, I feel like it just it speaks to the part at least my experience was like it spoke to that part of my nature that that was more than just my day-to-day -day. you know it's mm. it's more of a I think a spiritual or um, yeah. you know at least how I perceive it as kind of spiritual and and connection and things that really matter that I don't pay attention to in my day-to-day -day in the you know grand scheme of things um, yeah. back in the States so it was really a nice experience to switch it up yeah and the way you worded it made it sound like this isn't something that like you added into who you are it's a part of you that was awoken through it it was yeah. like that craving or that desire longing for more and this trip and all of the things that you experienced just brought out those qualities that were like sort of dormant because we're not expressing them in our right. everyday life like we're not conscious of them right Ugh. yeah I think um you know I've I've always had this kind of um 
I've been drawn to the, the spiritual quality of life. You know, I've never been super religious or anything, but, you know, I have my kind of belief systems as far as that goes. And, you know, I, I really enjoy yoga and Reiki and um, mm. kind of getting in touch in ways that are becoming more popular now, but mm -hmm. that kind of have this hippie voodoo, like, <laughs> woo -woo, <new laughs> reputation. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, exactly. It was, it was a really great opportunity to be able to shamelessly express and experience and perceive that side of my mm. nature that is not always there when I'm you know out of business meeting or in yeah. school or whatever yeah but and then it's kind of cool you know when you come back and it's like that part of you is there so it, it doesn't go away it's just like it's kind of like you get to carry it with you mm -hmm. and find the ways that you can like healthily express it in your day-to-day -day. Yeah. and it and it makes more meaning for the things that you're doing like it just it's it's cool it doesn't it doesn't go away just because you're not traveling physically which I think you know not to go back on my trip again but that's I think at the time what I was seeking like I was seeking coming home back to me and so I needed to like take that physical trip that was like symbolic because I wanted to just like drop my fears and my anxieties mm -hmm. at my door and go travel and feel liberated and free and it was like such an initiation <laughs> for me like I still felt lonely there were moments of fear there were moment, mo moments of boredom moments of like what are you doing and to process that and be uncomfortable with that and then like come back home with sort of like this these rich teachings um is is just amazing and that's like you know you're saying in reflection it it may it means so much in our day-to-day -day life when we can like integrate and reflect and apply those things like yeah. it never goes away you're always going to carry those experiences yeah and I feel so grateful that I can you know I I think about what life I just lived in those yeah. travels and it's like I can't believe that that was my life like I feel like such an ordinary average person and to be able to experience something that's so extraordinary mm. um, and above and beyond anything I ever imagined for myself it I feel like it's almost like a secret that I carry with me yeah. and now I I also kind of have more courage of you know, if I can do this one amazing thing, then I think other amazing doors will open to me as I move forward. So Absolutely. I'm trying to keep that with me. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It is. It's like a little treasure. Yeah. Um, is there anything, because I want to get to, I want to share a little bit about um, the Instagram because I think yeah. that's such a cool way that people can, can connect. Is there any other like main highlights of the trip or a place that you went that really um in whatever way moved you or shaped you to where you are right now yeah so I think um <laughs> just one even I'm sure there's a million of them um Chile and Argentina I don't think I've done justice to so we did we explored the Atacama Desert in northern Chile and then we went south to Patagonia and kind of hopped across the border back and forth a few times but Patagonia is the most magical place I've ever seen. I mean, mm. the glaciers, it's like something you would picture in a cartoon. You know, they're just this wall of ice. You know, it's not something far away in a mountain where you're like, oh, I guess I can see it. It's right there. It's this blue, white, like cold ice for 250 feet, just surrounded oh. by mountains and surrounded by glacial lakes and stuff. And it, it was really, I mean... It, it just shows you the power of Mother Nature. You can't help but just be in awe when you see it. Um, and yeah. so a lot of Patagonia was my absolute favorite, but it also felt very separate from the rest of our South America trip because it was its own kind of 
climate zone. Yeah, yeah, its own little universe down there, really. Wow. And it was just gorgeous. If if you ever have the chance to go to Patagonia, go, go, go. Ah, <laughs> uh, duly noted. Yes. So cool. Yeah, that is funny to think of, like, glaciers down there because, like, you've got, like, the beach and then you've got the mountains mm-hmm. and you've got, like, this tropical jungle area and then it's like, oh, and there's ice glaciers? <laughs> what? So yeah. cool. Patagonia, check. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it, and, and it does. It, like, helps us reel back in. Like, there's beauty everywhere. Like, maybe we don't have the Patagonian glaciers in front of us, but, like, there's nature around us. Yeah. And if we can just, like, see it and appreciate it and look at it with fresh eyes, like, it helps us to anchor into the beauty of all nature. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> oh, so so during this time, during your trip, was this when you made the decision so so summer and jack or summer or whomever um have created this instagram account which like seems like is booming already (laughs) um beautiful photos different budgeting tips just like shared experiences of their time there i literally shamelessly lived vicariously (laughs) through every post i'm just like this is absolutely amazing um and it really helps to like take people on that journey with you so tell me a little bit about like where did that idea originate and and how you started because you're still posting on it so you're kind of back posting Mm -hmm. is this correct yeah we're a bit delayed yeah so we left in may and kind of drove around the country and we had tossed around the idea of starting a travel instagram but neither one of us use social media a lot we were kind of really against it Mm -hmm. um and then as we kind of let go of our i think self-judgments and like um yeah I guess just self-judgments we were able to see that this is actually a really incredible tool to be able to share what we're doing and I think what we're doing is worth sharing and if it means as much to us it might help somebody else so (laughs) sitting at home on my couch wanting to travel (laughs) so and you know selfishly too it was it's been incredible to have that whole documentation I go through it like all the time just so I can relive it myself um But yeah, so we started it in September and it's grown really quickly. We've been super fortunate. We're at about 4,000 followers now. So we're hoping to keep growing and keep the momentum going. You know, we have a lot of plans for where we want to take it in the future. But basically our, our goal is to, you know, Instagram is a visual art platform. So we can show the beauty of nature, whether it's, you know, somewhere like El Chalten in Chile or Argentina, um, or, you know, the beach here, or just us planning what what trips we're going to do next, you know, we can kind of appreciate every moment all the more. And um, we really wanted to communicate that this is accessible to everybody. There's ways to save money and, you know, not have to drop thousands to do this life-changing trip and and have these experiences. Um, So kind of showing the budget travel side of things um mm. and once we got started in that we were actually in Cusco we did a, a week of Spanish school in Cusco to refresh and we started thinking about blogging because there was a lot that we felt like we could share but we didn't want to put everything into this tiny Instagram post right. um so we started a blog um And we basically, I think we have about six posts on there now, but it's all about, it's really focusing on where we went, how we save money, the exact things that we did to save money while we were traveling. And, you know, there's some overlap in different countries, but there's like four or five main ways that we save money in every one. 
spoiler alert, the main one is cooking at home. Definitely. <laughs> you know? um, and then, so we just kind of shared our experience. Like here, you know, hostels are actually kind of expensive. So maybe go with an Airbnb or, um, you know, just different things to consider. So our Instagram is out there underscore travels and our blog is out there travels.com. Um, and we're still actively working on them and, and posting. We're, um, kind of delayed in our post on the Instagram. So we're still in Puerto Natales right now, but in about a week, we're going to run out of South America pictures and switch gears to, um, share some of our other trips and the other beautiful places that we've lived and just show appreciation and gratitude that we've been able to have these experiences. So we have a lot more to share beyond mm -hmm. South America and we're planning what our next trip will be. <laughs> so that's so cool. Like yeah. so many things came up while you were sharing that first. I want to ask who's the main person behind the account I am the main person <laughs> behind the Instagram Summer's the, main, <laughs> Summer's the main lady we both take the pictures um and and kind of align on what we want to communicate and stuff but I'm typically the one editing and and um writing out the posts for the blog it's more evenly divided you know obviously on Instagram it's just on my phone and yeah. I have a better camera because I have a pixel and Jack has an iPhone so <laughs> So I have kind of a more organized and better pictures, but, um, for the blog, we both write posts and then we kind of share them back and forth and edit them and make yeah. sure we're accurately capturing the vision that we both wanted. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's a, a big team effort and, you know, Jack has some other things in the works, um, for, in terms of future directions, we want to take the brand. Okay. So, so <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool because like you said, Instagram is more of like a visual representation, but I think the blog without it feeling like choppy, you both can give your voice and write from your perspective and his perspective and not it feel so, I almost actually think that's like a really cool concept is, is like getting the different voices from that because everything does seem like super uniform on your Instagram page and all the pictures are obviously gorgeous and <laughs> you've got a ton of engagement on there already which is so cool because I think people are interested and want to know how do you do this Ugh. um and we want to share like it's it's it is attainable for anybody so yeah. we're really eager to get that information out there and share it and if it helps one person, yeah. that's perfect. <laughs> and what a spectacular project to have with a partner. Like, yeah. to really be able to take this thing that you two co-created and turn it into something bigger than yourselves. Where yeah. now, you might be expected by your followers to go on another trip. <laughs> so this is a catalyst for you to keep <laughs> putting more things out. Oh, yeah. so cool. Um, wow. So it would be really hard to narrow it down. But if you had, aside from, like, the budget tips or it could be that um like what is one or two maybe even three if you have them <laughs> things that you really want people to know about about like traveling like I guess I don't know how to put the question I don't know how to put the question I don't know if that's clear enough or clarifies it enough but like what's one thing that you wish you knew or heard prior to your trip that would yeah. help somebody else. Okay. So I think I was super fortunate that I had Jack there because I was kind of talking about this earlier, but taking that leap to go on a month long, months long trip is terrifying and leaving your job to do something with no source of income and, and believe that it's going to be okay is terrifying. And explaining that to your older family members is difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but I think the main thing is just that it's so possible and if you don't know where to start there's resources out there to help you mm. um and so you know for me it was Jack but now like we're trying to get this information out there to share with others that might might not have grown up on a boat or you know done all of these amazing travel trips right um so it's it's just it's attainable for the average person you don't have to be Mm. in some special circumstance or you know riding a trust fund in order to make it happen you know Mm. we're we're just average people and we want to you know um if it resonates we want to seek out other people that are maybe not super happy with their circumstances, feeling stuck, feeling overworked or, you know, just needing a change and wanting to grow and not feeling like you can do it in your home environment. All of that was true for us and we made it happen. So we wanted to share it. I love that. I remember feeling that way too. So I'm so glad you brought it to light because that's something that you forget too. I remember saying that so many times, like it's possible people. And then you meet other travelers and you're like, Oh my God, people are living (laughs) this way. Like for you, it was like a six, seven month trip. Some people are out there. (laughs) They're out there for like years or they just make it a lifestyle. And it's like so possible. It is possible. It's not maybe like easy but it's possible right well nothing worth it is easy in Mm -hmm. my experience um so this was no different but the freedom and flexibility and just absolutely amazing day to day that it allowed was so worth it so Mm. you know and it doesn't have to take you three years to save up to to pull the trigger you know I think a lot of us could do this with just a little bit of savings and um a little bit of planning and and make it happen Ooh. Is there, um, you guys say you have some things in the work. Are you, are you able to, to slip any, (laughs) any info, any secret info out without ruining the surprise? So I think it's been really inspiring to see what other travelers are doing. Um, so we've, you know, we've have this kind of amazing travel community that we've met, um, both in our travels and on social media and are learning from what they're doing. Um, and so I think one of our ultimate goals would be able to fund some of our travels through this travel brand and, and sharing, you know, um, not only our budget tips, but, um, how, you know, our actual budget tracker and how we researched what would go into that and kind of all of the behind the scenes stuff, um, in order to really help people get out there in a more real way. Summer, Um, you need to do the budget tracker. I'm trying. Uh, so yeah, we want to, there's a, a few different kind of more like products and services that we want to pursue. Um, that it's just long term. We're, we're yeah. still figuring it out. We're very new to this, but uh, that's the ultimate goal. I am so excited <laughs> and I'm so looking forward to seeing where that all, I didn't even, I haven't even looked at the blog yet. I'm going to go home and, and look at the blog and I'm going to put all of the links and all of the Instagram and all the things here so that anyone listening can get a chance to, um, check those things out. Thank um, you. but it is so inspiring and, um, I do absolutely think it's possible for anyone who's listening. So All right, that wraps it up for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard and you want to stay along with us on this journey, be sure to give the podcast a follow or subscribe on the platform that you're listening from. And be sure to let your friends and family know about the Conscious Journeys podcast. You can share the link or just give a little shout out on your social media. 
Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, and I'll check in with you soon.